Golden Boot Pod is proud to announce that merchandise is now available. We have everything from t-shirts and hoodies, to hats and beanies, to drinkware, to wearables and blankets. You can find it all under the merchandise tab at thegoldenboot.podbean.com or go directly to thegoldenboot.com. As always, thank you for supporting the Golden Boot Pod. The views and opinions expressed in the Golden Boot Podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Golden Boot Podcast as a whole. Hey, I'm glad I was on mute because I said the wrong thing anyway. Welcome back to another edition of HBCU Hour. It's your boy Pooh Bell. I got my man Aunt Petty Murphy in the building. We got Daniel D. Williams in the building. We have uh, Chris be joining us shortly. But uh, we do have a special guest back with us again uh, from Huntsville, sports director of Fox 54, Mr. Mo Carter. Welcome back to the Golden Boot. Well, I'm sorry. Welcome back to HBCU Hour, actually. Mo, thank you for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hope all is well back home in the booth. Hopefully, I, I look forward to making a trip back home to the booth um, in about a month's time now. We'll be getting close to that Bayou Classic. All right, all right. Yeah. That is coming up. It, it, classic time period is coming uh, up. It is... Uh, uh, what is uh, Magic City's coming up? You got uh, not a classic. Had, I already had the State Fair classic. Already yep. had State Fair. Uh, um, Gulf Coast Challenge with Alabama A&M and Jackson State in, in Mobile's coming up. Right. Um, Florida class is going to be coming up, um, you know, the week before Thanksgiving. Then obviously Bayou Classic, Jackson State against Alcorn State. Man, like it's, it's about to get real in these next seven to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, and, and speaking of that, uh, homecoming for a lot of schools is starting happening. Last week was homecoming for uh, Alabama and M. Um, there was some, there was another homecoming that I'm missing. Uh, I know Alabama State since this weekend, which is it's gonna be it's an interesting matchup. Very much we're so. Talk about that. We're gonna talk about that one. Uh, but let's go ahead. Let's start off and look. Take a look back at last week uh, in the SWAC and the MEAC, and just kind of. Touch on a few games. Uh, hold on, give me one second. Bring this up. All right. So last week, uh, Alabama AM took on Bethune Cookman, got their first swag win of the season. Uh, you had FAMU taking on Mississippi Valley uh, and beating them. Alabama State big win. with a with a big win, late comeback, um, big fourth quarter beating Texas Southern. Uh, Southern. Jeez. Oh, Coach Dooley, you know what I'm saying, with the ass Scott and all, put a whipping on Arkansas Pine Bluff. 
Uh, and then Prairie View uh, took Grambling or, or Rambling? Maybe? Rambling. Yeah, Rambling. Rambling. So Rambling. Rambling behind the uh, shed. The G is solid. <laughs> <laughs> took them behind the shed. Uh, <laughs> plus, I, I ain't gonna I, don't say nothing. I want you to be safe at home. I know them your people. I ain't, I ain't worried. They they need they need to be worried about winning games, not what people saying. Yeah. Right. Now now in the MEAC, uh South Carolina State actually took on uh South Carolina. That game was moved because of Hurricane Ian um mm-hmm. to that Thursday. Um Morgan State beat uh Virginia Lynchcomb uh Lynchburg. Campbell. Lynchburg, I'm sorry. Uh, Campbell beat North Carolina Central. Uh, Yale beat Howard. Um, Sacred Heart beat Norfolk State. And Delaware State eked out a win against Robert Morris. Um, Now, SIAC, I don't have those scores, but SIAC, uh, um, there were some big matchups. Benedict is moving. And then and Lane beat uh Tennessee um Tennessee State. Yeah, we're gonna get to that right there. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's going um yeah, yeah, yeah. Um this upcoming week, uh we mentioned um a little bit about um what's going on at Alabama State. But let's let's look at this. Grambling or rambling, I'm sorry, however you want to do it. Uh, it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming to, to Lewis Cruz Stadium in Huntsville to take on Alabama and Uh It's going. It's actually a, a MEAC SWAC uh, game here with Florida and them taking on South Carolina State. This is, a, a, I guess, a, a old MEAC game, uh, technically, if you want to look at it that way. Um, Jackson State Dion's return to Montgomery, Alabama. Um, and for those of you who don't know. Uh, the last time Dion played at um, in Montgomery, and that was his first season, and Alabama State beat them. They, uh, if you look, this is a real scoreboard. That's what Alabama State did. They put his picture from his draft day up there. Um, that is real. He was not happy. <laughs> Let's just say he was not happy. Um, Texas Southern is going to take on take on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, Southern is taking on Prairie View, which Prairie View is that's duly facing his old team again. Yeah, but Prairie View has been looking yeah really good this year. Um, Bethune Cookman is taking on Tennessee State, and Alcorn is taking on Mississippi Valley State. So, uh, MEAC doesn't have many games. Uh, they have like Norfolk State, Morgan State. Uh, and then the one we already mentioned, the FAMU South Carolina State game. So, yeah. Um, let, let's start here because we keep, and I know some people know when we, we're joking about uh, the the <laughs> <grambling>. <laughs> we joking about the the Grambling taking the uh, uh, and saying Rambling. Uh, it's a lot going on at, at, at Grambling. We talked about it. This was your altar call on the Golden Boot. Um, Coach, Coach Hugh Jackson taking the G off the helmets, and uh, let me ask you this: Aunt, um, That's your neck of the woods. How is that being received? Um, well, I don't know anybody who's backing his decision to take the uh, the G off the helmets. Uh, I got a, a lot of former, uh, a lot of buddies that's former players at Gremlin. I got some some family that played at Gremlin, and and none of them are. Um, 
are happy with it. They're actually upset at Hugh with they almost look at it as like a backhand disrespectful to uh the legacy of Gremlin to do something like that. So I that Graham fam ain't too happy with Hugh right now. He gotta start winning games. Let me ask you a question. So if the team isn't performing to the way that Coach Hugh thinks they should perform, mm-hmm. they're not playing the type of football he wants. Just hypothetical, just ask him. You know, I, I, I ain't saying that. I, I, I'm oh, okay. Kidding, but, uh, I got you. Does 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 he have? I mean, no, does, he doesn't have oh, that right. Oh, no, bro, no. What has Hugh Jackson done to earn his G in Grambling? I mean, he's the head football coach of the school. I don't care. I don't care. All those players are, are scholarship athletes to that school. So if right. he if they ain't earn their G, how is he earned his G? Mm. I agree. They've been there longer than him. That's true. They've done they've done more for that program than he has at this point. That's true. But I mean, is, is it not? I mean, what's that? At what, at what at what point at what point as a coaching staff do you look at yourself and say, are we doing our job? Well, how do you motivate these kids now? Taking the G off the helmet ain't gonna motivate them. So I'm, I'm gonna say this. Um Arkansas, Chad Morris. Mm-hmm. He did something similar. He was like, you're not going to wear Arkansas apparel. You're going to wear, like, white sweatshirts or something. He did white. some drumline stuff. Yeah, but, you know what I'm saying? You're going to, you know, you crabs, y'all crabs. You're going to earn the, the Arkansas A. Hey, they boot they, 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 he, he was gone how long after that? They literally went over. Mm, he was fired within two years, right? Yeah, that was a North North Texas was under Chad Morris. That was that they same lost, year. They lost to Colorado State under Chad Morris. That's also so. I mean, so, you when that, when you're yeah. a coaching staff and you revert to these kind of tactics, that lets me know you're not doing your job motivating your players. So you gotta you gotta try to do stuff like this to get to them. And this is kind of like an old school way of doing things too. I mean, no no college program really does this, but. I see where he's coming from. You know what I'm saying? He wants them to play, you know, up that game, up that level. I get it. But hopefully, I mean, it, it, hopefully it works. I don't think it it's works. not so far. How many little skins you take off? <laughs> As, hold on. I'm going to get some of these comments because Tori Williams. Oh, well, let me first uh, like this. Tori comments and says, go Jags. Um, and then he mm-hmm. says, As they continue to lose, what then? Exactly. I, I mean, you go, at what, at sooner or later, you're going to be at the other end of the G. <laughs> it's gonna take all the little. <laughs> He's gonna be playing the opposite of horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you actually make a good point. Is that, and you make a good point too about taking away, you know, the particular letters because at, at some point in time, yeah, they may get down to the N and the G at the, the end G, of the season. And the, they and keep the losing. Still gonna be there, exactly. So I mean, I just, I just feel like as a, as a coach, when you start reverting to stuff like that, then you've lost the locker room to a sense. And that's not the only thing. I mean, like, there's there's other stuff that's going on, Graham. Like, they don't look good as a football team. Right. They they just don't. And so I don't know how much of that you could put on the players. You know what I mean? Like, whenever – I ain't going to get into all that. But it's just uh, – I want to go here. Go ahead, Boo. Go ahead. Okay. So I feel like we've we've – as much as we've talked about Dion and Jackson State, we've talked about Grambling – this all on, on the opposite scale for the wrong reasons. The things exactly. that happened with the AD, with the nothing volleyball has team, been, nothing, has been nothing has been positive. It's it's 
Yeah. Um, now I will. I do want to say. I do. I do want to say. And I know we we kind of briefly mm-hmm. talked about it. Grambling's volleyball team is undefeated right now. Uh, Did see that in, in yep. the SWAC? I'm, they're mm-hmm. undefeated in the SWAC right now. Yep. Correct. They haven't even lost a set. Correct. I'm just. I'm leave. I'm gonna leave that there. I'm not saying. We'll leave that. it on a positive note. I'm gonna leave it there. Um, and I guess I last time I was on, we were talking about that, yeah. and it was like the week after all that mess had right. went down, exactly. and had removed the previous coach. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I I say I say this though. I think Gremlin has a little bit of bias remorse. Well, maybe not the maybe not the people who make the decisions at Gremlin, but the fan base does. Mm. It's five five, games into the season, it doesn't matter, bro. Broderick Fives did not deserve to be fired, and look at what you have right now. Like we just said, everything since Hugh has been hired has been negative publicity, and you aren't winning football games. You had a coach that won the Celebration Bowl, won the swag several times, and you got rid of him because he had one average kind of mediocre year and so the ad could put his guy in place and now look at what's happening actually the only uh it's uh sweat coach to win exactly. the celebration Bowl exactly exactly throw that and in because you know that, piggybacking yeah. off of, off of that man i mean obviously i was at southern university and coach richardson's last few years i was in i was the senior class of his second to last squad then the next year they went seven and five or six and five, something like that. Still had a winning season, but not what, you know, was expected of it. And all of a sudden, they decided to get rid of Coach Richardson in favor of Stump Mitchell. He came in, he talked all this or whatever, and then all of a sudden you went from, you know, decent success to literally no success. I think he was like two and nine his first year. I think the next year he won like four games. And then after losing Mississippi Valley, three games to that third year on national television, you know, he was out the door. So – you know, I've seen this situation happen. Obviously, I've seen people also talk about what Hugh Jackson saying. Give him a little bit more time. Even Coach Sanders even said, give that man more time or whatever. But I kind of look in between the lines and like, I see why you're saying give him some more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like but, Nick Saban saying he's mad less Miles got fired. And I and I and I feel and I feel too. <laughs> you do have to give him some time, but at the same right. time. I understand it's his first year, but I'm not seeing progress. I'm not seeing this team improve week in and week out. I'm not seeing where they're getting better. And so it's hard when you know what you just had in the coaching and the staff, it's hard to say, okay, well, he's going to figure this out when nothing has looked like it's getting figured out on a week to week basis. Yeah. Chris English talks about, uh, JC and John Curtis said Curtis told us that as well. Said we uh we get the white helmets until we earn that JC. That's um that, but see that's high school. I can get that in high school. And, well then he also but said it's summer camp, you know what I mean? Like yeah. summer, yeah, yeah, summer so. camp, yep. Yeah, I'm very familiar with a lot of teams that do that during <laughs> summer camp or whatever. I can even go as far as like remembering high school where, you know, we didn't even have the decals and the helmet. Instead, like they would put the tape with your name on it yep. or whatever right. and stuff. And yeah. once they the knew first- your name, they'd take the tape off. Yeah. But, you know, you'd have some guys literally like into the jamboree in week one that still had the tape on the helmet because they hadn't earned the right to get it mm-hmm. taken off, even though they had the decal on it. So I've seen that before, but nothing on a collegiate level like that. Not, I mean, honestly, even, even on the college level, I mean, you got freshmen that come in, you know what I'm saying? They they put their name on the list for, for dress day. And I mean, it's a wide receiver and his number is 46. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't get that credit. Until yeah, you yeah, yeah, but that's, that's, that's a little, that's a lot different than taking the head G off everybody. No, I get it. But at the same time, I mean, it's his first year. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let, let the guy. I say give him so, some time, man. Like, so if it, if it's if it's his first year, then why take the G off the helmet? I get it. I mean, you got to earn it. You playing. You playing. You playing bad football. You're not but representing the school. A, you're not a, representing the community. You need to earn it. Maybe he's seeing something in practice practice that we're not seeing. So does he don't he don't have to earn his though? Just them, bro. He's the head coach. And still, he, he it's his responsibility. Lead, lead by sure example, right? Lead he, by example, right? It's his responsibility to make sure. Lead that by example, right? Yeah. What you want? Man, do? you want him to just wear a black polo on the sideline? I mean, just, if, if if they haven't earned the so, right. If they haven't earned the right to wear the G and you are their leader, what what gives you the right to earn the G then? Obviously, you're not doing something to if they're not living up to their expectations hey, also. Hey, this is my ship. I run this ship. And you're supposed I to go down all, with your I, ship. You go look, down I with expect, your ship. You don't hop off the ship when there's something go wrong. You go down who, with the ship. But he ain't quit. He, he, he ain't, just expecting, he, nah, he expecting, he he's, he's expecting more out of his guys. He's challenging them. But he's not expecting more out of himself, though, right? Hey, man, look, sometimes... Because he's not holding himself to the same level of standard he's holding his players to. I mean, so what do you expect him to do in it? The same thing he did to his players. If you strip their G, strip your G. But it probably don't mean as much to him as it would mean to the players. That's a problem. And it probably doesn't affect him. That's I need a problem. To, I need, That's a I need, problem. I need to reach them some kind of way. So, look, this is what I'm going to do. Do it sometimes, to yourself, too. But, but hold on. Sometimes parents think that, oh, okay, I'm embarrassing. I'm embarrassing <laughs> my kid. And that's going to make him act right. Hold and on. Look. Probably his approach. I got I to address this. Hey, uh, Joy, no, Chris didn't get bumped for our guest. Chris has to. He works late on, so through the week. So, yeah. that's why Chris will, be, Chris will be coming in. And Chris has his spot. So... <laughs> <laughs> hey, but fellas, I want I want to ask y'all this. Obviously, Grambler is going to be here this upcoming weekend in Huntsville, taking on Alabama a And M, which I still think is more of a toss up game or whatever. Right but if they end. lose that, I'm looking at the schedule now. They've got a home game against FAMU, then they've got another game against Alcorn. I mean, God, it's it's not getting easier for Hugh Jackson and company to where. I can't even see the G coming back on the helmet if they're talking about improved play if they don't get a W this week. Well, hope and prayer for for the Bayou Classic at that time. Uh, they, they, nah, they ain't nah. winning that. Nah. <laughs> I'm just saying. so they I, might, I guess, they might they might could be UAPB maybe. Yeah, Southern, bro. And, and, but but no, Southern beat them without Skylar Perry. That's I was about to say that it depends on if Skylar Perry is back or yeah. not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different team without Skylar Perry. So I can't look too much into that Southern game. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, that kind of goes into biggest surprises and disappointments thus far in this season. Uh, Prairie View is the biggest surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to agree with Ann on that one. They're more of the big surprise with me just because, obviously, I know Coach Dooley very, very well. I know what kind of coach he is. I know what kind of program he had, but he did loop well. Prairie View lost some guys after mm-hmm. Coach Dooley and some of the staff left. So to see that Prairie View is literally in the position that they are is a huge surprise, in my opinion. And here's the other thing, too. I mean, you look at, like, Prairie View in general. I mean, these guys are looking not only great, but they've actually had some very, very good out-of-conference games and matches. I mean, um, let me go back. Who did they play? Um, you know, they were kind of neck and neck with um, – God, I can't think of the team they played or whatever. But then I was watching another game where they should have won that game in the end. Uh, Abilene Christian. They yeah, should have yeah, won yeah. that game. 
they should have won that game, quite frankly. It literally, it came down to, like, just some late miscues in, like, the late part of the second half. And then Incarnate Word, I mean, you know, they're one of the top FCS programs right now in Win. general. So, you know, they held their own for the most part. Prairie View is, you know, is playing solid, especially under Coach Bubba being his first time as a head coach. But he's just one of those savvy veterans, got an NFL experience, who knows how to make his team go. And, you know, they win some ball games. Now, obviously – Huge, huge game this upcoming weekend that we'll probably talk about a little later on. But I definitely got to say Prairie View was probably the biggest surprise as far as like where they stand at. And the other thing I will say would be more like, I don't want to say as much as a surprise, but I was a little shocked at like the, the margins of victories that Jackson State has had this year against some of their opponents. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, the uh, Abilene Christian, I think when um, when G from uh, Swack and the Fool uh, was on, he talked about that. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, that was Alcorn who was missing the punter. Uh, yeah, yeah. When they played Austin. Stephen F. Austin, Stephen F. Austin, yeah, I'm sorry, that was that was that yeah. one. Um, I'll say for me, um, you know, disappointment. I, I'll, I'll keep it close. We just talked about him, Grambling, Grambling. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, Coach I you coming you. in. I'm, I'm just saying, Coach you coming in. And uh, I mean, with Dion, you know, with Jackson State, you're thinking, you know, this is NFL pedigree coach. You know, he, he's bringing a lot of coaches, you know, from other different schools that are, pro, you know, that have performed pretty well. I mean, if anything, you you would at least expect the offense to perform really good. But I mean, averaging 21 points a game, uh, the quarterback is not playing too hot, and they, they just don't how many look- how many points they <laughs> averaging if you take the Northwestern State game out. I have no clue. Nah, they not doing well. Exactly. Offense. That's something yeah. you know. That's something we noticed. We noticed that during the uh, uh, spring game. We yeah, talked. I told, about I told, yeah, that's why when I watched the spring game, they didn't have a quarterback. The offense, the offense couldn't really move the ball, and I was worried about that. And I figured they was gonna finish last or you know second down toward the bottom of the West. Um, biggest disappointment for me is gonna got to be Alabama A and M. Yeah, um, that's mine. I, I, yeah. I really I really thought that they was gonna challenge in the east. I didn't pick them to win the east, but I thought that they would, you know, be somebody beat. said they would. Yeah, and I I figured Fool. they would be, be <laughs> fool. <laughs> hey, my pick my pick in the east don't look much better, but uh yeah. <laughs> but I, I just I think that I thought that they would be up there high, especially with the transfers that they got in. Um but I know they had a lot of injuries, but still, I just felt like they would be more than just a one-win team at this point. I could agree with you on that. Of course, I see them every single day, to be honest with you. I mean, I go back and I kind of look at it like this. Um, When you go back to the spring, obviously, the quarterback situation was a big thing everybody was looking at. And Malik Williams, the Miami transfer, appeared to be the guy until he decided to step away from football in the offseason. So all of a sudden, you know, you're down to Xavier Lankford and you're also down to Quincy Casey. Both guys bring a different um, set of game skills to the offense or whatever. And basically both guys had their chances. Unfortunately, I can't really say one has been able to accelerate away from the other until recently. And Coach Manor's now looking at it like, okay, which one of these guys 
won't lose the game as much as the other would or whatever. And, you know, you saw a little consistency this past week. Really, you saw it against FAMU as well. They just made some silly mistakes in the second half to kind of get FAMU back in that game, and that's how they got the victory. But this past week against Bethune-Cookman, they took a lot of pressure off of Langford. They're like, let's just run the ball. And that's exactly what they did. They ended up getting giving the ball to Donovan Eaglin. He had almost 200 yards on the ground, Michigan State transfer. And he won like several HBCU Offensive Players of the Week. And quite frankly, I think it was the first time probably since Jordan Bentley has been in, I've seen them commit to the run like they did and who knows that might be what may be successful for them moving forward you just have to kind of just see it from week to week but no i definitely can agree with you guys uh with the losses they end up have the way they lost i would say thought there would have been some better losses let me say it like that mm-hmm. in general but season is quote unquote still young according to coach Maynard, which technically is right but at the same time if they got a win last week Got to find a way to get another win to kind of keep things going or whatever, because eventually, depending on what happens down there in Montgomery this week or whatever, you've got Alabama State and Jackson State like in two out of three weeks in the next five weeks for a and Yeah. My biggest surprise, the other team out of Alabama, Alabama State, um, yep. their two losses are UCLA and Prairie View. That's it. Um I mean, season's still young. They got Jackson State this week. Um, I don't expect them to win, but if they're even competitive, that'll be big for them. Um, I think they have a chance to not necessarily win out, but they got a chance to make some noise this year in the first year under Coach uh, Eddie Robinson Jr., uh, no relation. Um, but it's, it's, I think they got a chance. My biggest disappointment so far has been Bethune Cook. I necessarily didn't think that they would uh, make a lot of noise, but um, I thought uh, Avery. I thought he was going to make like just come out and just do some things, and he. It, it, but then again, it's a lot of players who um, it seems like they were. Oh, well, I was expecting to make a lot of uh, a big noise and didn't. Uh, I.e. Uh, Gary Quarles, uh, Ibrahim. Um, yeah, both guys have been injured up here. Yeah. Um, what's the other guy? Um, Davis at Alabama State has been so – I know he bowed, He came out, went out with an injury, um, and I hadn't seen whether he's been in or out. Um, Scott Perry. Travis Hunter, you know what I mean? He's Tra- been yeah. injured. But Skylar Perry been balling when he was healthy. Right, yeah. right. You know, who who really impressed me the most is uh Body from, from uh Texas Southern. Yes. That, that he he probably he gotta be the second best uh quarterback in, in Swack at this point. Did he? Uh Swack and Fool said Quarles hit the portal. Uh I hadn't heard that. Um, I haven't got official confirmation on that. Well, can you I mean, he must have just left the team because I don't think you can technically enter the portal. Yeah, but, but. I haven't got official confirmation on that. I know he was at practice last week and decided not to dress because he was injured, and that's all That's all the information that was provided to us. Yeah. All right. Um, somebody who has also been impressive, uh, D-Tackle from Southern, Jason Dumas. Um, he no was a uh, – what defensive line player of the week for the sweat? Yeah, yes, sir. Just coming off of that injury, uh, first game back, you know he did really well this past weekend. Yeah, so he, he, you know, honestly, 
He he said his favorite his his favorite player is Aaron Donald in his game. Of course, you guys know I love the D line. His game does remind me a lot of that short, compact, explosive. You know, hopefully he gets inside at, at the next level. So. Oh yeah, I think he will for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another player who's been making so. See, Dumas was Dumas was at Paraview, right? Yeah, he, he was one who came with do. See, that's that's kind of what Mo was talking about. When you have players like that leave Paraview along with the coach, and you still balling like that's that just makes what they're doing over there even more impressive. But go ahead, put my bet. No, no, I was gonna say um, somebody who they were off last week, but he's been getting a lot of buzz for a, a, a end of season award. Uh, Shador Sanders. We talked about this on the Golden Boot as well. Um, a lot of people are pushing for him to be a Heisman candidate. The boy need to worry about winning the Walter Payton Award first. <laughs> I really think he can do that. I don't, I think he can too, but that I, I think be, he has a better shot. But that needs to be what his eyes are set on, and not the Heisman. Because I, I mean, once again, he's gonna have to put up better numbers than Steve McNair to even get considered for the Heisman. He doesn't have better numbers than um, Lindsey Scott right now. That's what we were talking about, right? Yeah, From incarnate yeah. work. That's what right. I'm saying. He got tough competition for the for the Walter Payton Award. Um, another thing about Fordham's another guy too. Yeah. He's putting yeah. up a lot of numbers. Um, another problem with this: um, Jackson State didn't play any any competition. Ma- I'm say mainstream teams. I guess yeah. you say teams who have more eyes on them. Do they uh, play? A, do they play a ranked team in the FCS polls? No, I don't think so. Exactly my point. No, 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 F- no FBS competition. Yeah. But so, and, it's, I mean, it's, and, and no disrespect to the kid. I mean, he has great numbers. But I mean, just looking at the numbers, whenever you're talking about FCS, Michael Penix for Washington right now, yeah. he has 1,700 yards passing yards. Shadour has 1,300. So I mean, to even be considered, I mean, he ha- he's gonna have to go above and beyond. Yeah, especially you know, with the level of competition. If they right, were playing, exactly. if they were playing Montana, if they were playing North Dakota State, you know, what I mean, if they were playing some of these, you know, rank, uh, if they were playing Stephen F. Austin, you know, Carnot Ware in some of these schools, then yeah, yeah. you could kind of have more of an argument. But right. the fact, the fact that they're doing it just basically against the SWAC and H- other HBCUs that aren't in the SWAC, like Tennessee State, I, I don't know how much respect he's gonna get across the nation. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what up, Chuck? Chuck? That's my boy. What's happening, yeah. bro? Right. He said, "There's a lot of politics with the Heisman Trophy. It well, that's is. Fair. That's fair. oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you right. still have to, uh, you still have to perform. And, that, and well, that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be some of the politics right there. Is his level of competition that he plays against and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Now yeah. you, uh, Dan, you said he how many yards behind uh, Phoenix? Uh, Four hundred. Four hundred. Well, he might get that this week. Um, they playing Alabama State. Uh, this is a get back game for 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 Dion. Uh, they well, they beat them last year, but the year prior, like I said, the last time they won Montgomery, um, yeah. Alabama State's first year. Uh, then they scheduled a homecoming. They scheduled them for this homecoming. Which, I, I want to talk about this. Can we talk about this? Yeah, yeah we about to. I got, we about to get to I got a little explanation for you with that too. So okay. sure. So Dion, because Daniel, you brought this topic up. Dion said it's a money game. When we normally when we hear money game, we think you brought in a, a, a lower level competition team 
mm-hmm. to basically refine your skills, beat up on, and you just paid them a lot of money. I.e., i.e., Miami paying one point five to <laughs> Middle Tennessee State, and in, in the words of uh, uh, Blake, getting them cheats clap, or <laughs> or um, <laughs> Texas and them paying one point five to Appalachian State, and then getting beat. But 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 um this is homecoming right the game is sold out i i'll say this though my thought okay i feel like if it's a little bit of i can see two sides to this i can see one Dion saying it's a money game because they want the stadium full and you know jackson state is gonna bring bring a full stadium but at the same time alabama state's looking at like our homecoming was gonna be packed anyway because it's homecoming yeah, you know what I mean. So honestly, you could say that they cost themselves a money game by making yeah. this because you yeah. could have had a big crowd for two different games and you bringing that one crowd to one game. So I don't know. So here's the thing about that, uh, and Mo, I'll let you explain. Uh, you know, I know you said you had Alabama State. A lot of people don't. Alabama State's homecoming actually used to be on Thanksgiving Day for years. Mm. For years, Turkey Day Classic was homecoming. So them having a separate homecoming from Turkey Day is is like it's 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 like I mean what last ten years recent am, am I right in that mode is that I think that actually the whole homecoming thing is like maybe two three years old now yeah yeah so. now the complaints have been going on for years primarily oh, yeah. because you know Turkey Day Classic big game or whatever what he used to play Tuskegee all those years and didn't play him for a number of years the main complaint was that students didn't get a chance to enjoy homecoming in general you know it, they they literally made homecoming more so for the alumni than what it was for mm-hmm. the students so finally with this new administration with Dr. Ross and them they're like we've got to give the students an opportunity to enjoy themselves from a homecoming standpoint that's why they looked at their schedule they're like okay we usually have a Labor Day game or whatever mm-hmm. which they played Tuskegee a couple of times and um Let's see, they played Miles this past year, and then they're like Magic City Classic. So between those two, you've got to find a place to have a good home game that's going to draw, you know, a pretty decent crowd for your homecoming. And this year just so happened to be Jackson State. Um, And the other thing you have to think about, too, it's not just an impact in Alabama State. Alabama A&M kind of does the same thing. Alabama A&M's homecoming is usually either last week of September or first week of October because mm-hmm. for like Alabama A&M, many people don't know. Like, yes, the school is in Huntsville, Alabama, but some of their larger alumni bases aren't in Huntsville. They're in Birmingham. They're in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So you got to spread this thing out or whatever to where people can kind of get their money's worth or whatever. So that's why their homecoming is usually either last week of September or first week of October, which still gives you about three, four weeks to prep for Magic City Classic when you go down to Birmingham. So that's more, it's been more of a strategic thing from a calendar standpoint, not just because, oh, we just picked this day and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Because looking at Alabama State schedule, basically it was either this week against Al- I mean, against Jackson State or next week against Mississippi Valley. But if you're done it next week against Mississippi Valley, all you're doing is giving your fans that game, a bye week, and then Magic City Classic. So I mean, and let's be for real. Money doesn't stretch. Money doesn't stretch for a lot of people. So you have to also understand, you know, that that situation when you're coming from from that standpoint. As a matter of fact, Rob J from um, 
from Jackson State. You know, they play by play voice guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. He actually asked Coach Eddie Robinson about that. And Coach Robinson really kind of explained it, uh, you know, through and through. Because even Eddie was like, I remember when I was a player and we were kind of like, yeah, a lot of people not staying around, especially from a student standpoint for Turkey Day or whatever, because they're trying to go home, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I man, Dave from uh, Down South Podcast said, actually, they never had homecoming. It was just Turkey Day. There you go. Because I, I do know a lot of people that was that was it. I mean, it was Turkey Day Parade and play Tuskegee and that was it. And But yeah, actually, yeah. Um, down South, it's probably Renoid. What's good? Uh, he says, I think they only have two options for October. Yep, so. they do. It's only Jackson State this week or Mississippi Valley next week, which would have, and if you would have done next week, that means you only have the bye week and the Match City Classic. The following week, so I mean, okay, I get that when you say that point, okay. But <laughs> like, if you if you get, if I got to pick a homecoming opponent, Jackson and State I got Mississippi, and I got Mississippi Valley or Jackson State, it's a pretty mm-hmm. obvious choice that I'm going with Mississippi Valley. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> um, then you asked this question. I already know uh, my answer. Should the Power Five programs be nervous to schedule Jackson State? They shouldn't be because they ain't gonna Jackson State ain't gonna schedule them. No. Hypothetical. If I, would, I still wouldn't be scared. No. I think so. It's, it's think about, the, now, the, PW, trenches, uh, the, or, the, the trenches is where the difference is going to be, bro. They, nah, can't, right. they, can't, they can't handle the Power 5 team in the trenches. I said in a yeah. couple of years that could possibly change. Yeah, but you it could. Right now. Right now, no. Right now, no. And I think okay. it's going to take more than a couple of years. I think it's going to take. Well, you're going to have to. Because you, you can't just rely on transfers because you need depth. So you're gonna have right. to get high school guys and transfers, and those high school guys are gotta develop. So it's gonna take three or four years of of getting recruits and transfers and developing them before your line is where it needs to be on both okay. sides of the ball. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know for sure, but I, I I was reading, I saw where they had two five star defensive linemen. They were visiting, I think either. Yeah, they, now they're visiting. They're visiting Alabama State for homecoming. Okay, and it, it's like there's four. There's four top. There's four top recruits, but they're not visiting for Jackson State. They're visiting for Alabama State. Alabama State, yep. right, yeah. Right, right, right. But they, I mean, Carver Montgomery is literally they. They can walk to Alabama State from there. Yeah, not yeah, literally, I'm, but I'm, they, I'm, but they're they're right there. No, they literally could walk to yeah. Alabama State if they want. To. <laughs> but it's a, but it's an official visit. That's what makes you know. What I mean, yeah. they're actually doing an official visit. So yeah, but I mean, it's gonna take more than just one or two guys, though, bro. You know what I mean? No, like, that's, that's that's fair. But look, on top of that, fellas, here's another thing you have to take a look at. So obviously, I take a look at FBSSchedules.com probably two, three times a week or whatever to kind of take a look at some stuff. So recently, I've looked at a bunch of the SEC schedules. I've looked at a bunch of the ACC schedules and a bunch of Big 12 schedules. Few teams in the Big 12 have some openings in the next two to three years. But the SEC and the ACC, nobody has a non-conference opening until 2027. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, yeah, it, it doesn't look like that scenario is going to happen. And somebody – I remember posting that. Somebody commented, was like, well, what if they push somebody aside and then be like, Jack State, come on, which to I me, I don't see that happening because, I don't know, let's say Alabama was playing App State. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and just say that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll pay App State $1.2 million or whatever to play. If they cancel the schedule on App State, they still got to pay App State $1.2 million and then turn around and pay Jackson anywhere between five and seven. I do not see Greg Byrne signing off on that down in Tuscaloosa for that to happen because if we really look at it at the end of the day, you, 
that's $2 million that they did not have to go ahead and spend. So I really don't see that happening one way or the other. Um, and then I remember like, you know, somebody at SEC Media Days asked about uh, asked the Mississippi coaches about facing Jack State. Same situation with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They don't have openings until 2026, 2027. So, you know, you're talking about several years down the line. So, obviously, I just don't see it happening from the P5 standpoint. Now, P5, maybe. But P5, probably not unless, you know, you get some little changes that happen here or there. Like A&M is going to play Vanderbilt next year only because a team Vanderbilt was supposed to play is changing conferences. So because they're changing conferences, they had to basically lose a non-conference game. And that's how Vanderbilt scooped up A&M for next year. But those things happen, you know, rarely, to be honest with you. If we're, if we're talking about scheduling games, you know, 2027, 2026, will Dion even be at Jackson State? Oh, 2027, 2026. Yeah. So, why, so what's the point of Jackson State of even looking to try to put those games on the schedule if he might not even be there? Very good question. I mean, let me, let me ask you guys this, because I know you, you're saying uh, SEC opponents only. Now, is it? Possible that they can possibly play any ACC opponents or anything like that? Are you? What just, I was saying, okay. I looked at the he ACC. Said, he said schedule. SEC and ACC. And ACC. Oh, yeah. okay. My, my apologies. I'm, I'm yeah. The only, the only. So I looked at ACC, SEC, and Big Twelve. The yeah. Big Twelve has a few schools who have some openings, like in twenty four and twenty five. I think TCU was one of those schools, and also um, Baylor was another school. I really haven't looked at the future Big Twelve schools, like you know UCF and. Um, BYU and them, but for the most part, yeah, majority of the P5 schools that people claim they want to see Jackson State play, yeah, that, that it just ain't happening in the yeah. next four or five years. Right. Now, now, Mo, you brought up something very interesting when you said that. You said Alabama, say Alabama State was playing App State, and they paid them $1.2 million mm-hmm. to bring them over. They would have if they if they cancel that, then they brought in say uh, Alabama State, Alabama AM, or, or one of those schools, they pay them anywhere from five to seven, five to seven hundred thousand. Right. Why the big gap difference? Because we saw in like when Al- when LSU brought in Southern, I think it was reported seven hundred and fifty thousand, something like that. UCLA brought in Alabama State, they flew them across country. Well, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna say they flew them. They had to fly across country. That was, but they got paid like eight hundred and sixty thousand, something like that. But you have App State, Middle Tennessee State, and they got one point five to go play Texas A and M and Miami, respectively. Why the big difference? So, from what I've understood, with the big difference, it's a couple of factors. One of the main factors is the amount of players and staff okay. and personnel that. A FCS team will bring compared to a G5 team will bring. So that's definitely one thing you have to kind of look at. And then I'm not saying that there's a rule set in cement that um, that you have to pay FCS schools or whatever a certain amount, but it's kind of been, you know, since I, I'm not going to say beginning of the time, but throughout majority of the years that FC, FBS schools will play FCS schools. Um, especially from the P five range, they're usually only giving them, you know, between four and six, maybe six fifty. If you're getting more than that, that means you have a good athletic director who is making some things happen. And I've seen that happen a couple of times. As a matter of fact, 
Tennessee State's going to play Notre Dame next year, and they're going to get like a cool million. But also keep this in mind, Notre Dame's in the independent. Yes, they're on the mm. P5 status, but they're independent. So they don't have to listen to a conference technically to go ahead and do that. But there are also some things I found out on the backside. There's going to be a lot of scholarship fundraising or whatever to go with that $1 million. I think, fam, you played either Nebraska or Ohio State several years ago, and they got close to like a cool million or so. So, you know, every once in a while you're going to see that. But usually the regular base price for mm-hmm. FBS P5 playing a FCS team is somewhere in that $400,000 to $600,000 range. And like I say, a lot of it kind of goes back to more of the, the personnel and the travel aspect as, as well. Yeah, I, th- I think also you got to look at it from this standpoint. Um, Southern LSU might be an outlier, but for the most part, if you say LSU is bringing in FAMU, well, the amount of people who attend that game won't be the same as if, as if you know, LSU brought in Central Florida. So the amount of money that the school is going to make from that game will be more, you know, than mm-hmm. when they play the FCS opponent. So therefore, they'll be willing to pay more for it, you know, than they would for FCS opponent. Agreed. And let me add this to it, too. Remember, television contracts kind of play a part into it as well. So um, obviously Southern and um, LSU, they want SEC Network. But as Ant just said, if LSU played UCF, that game's probably at least on ESPN, two, maybe regular ESPN, just depending on what the the week by week stuff is. And then you can have additional financial opportunities for those schools to make money once the TV ratings come out. And then you have the distributions later on as well. Because, I mean, also with those games, you're talking about advertisement and you're talking about different things like that, too. Um, yeah. And also think about this for Southern. It literally cost them nothing because exactly. Southern yeah. stayed in the same hotel that they will stay in for the regular home games, which is something right. that's already taken care of prior to the season. All they had to do was just bust it over 10 mm-hmm. miles to South Baton Rouge and – literally go through the same, you know, progresses and steps and whatnot, and everything was all cool and kosher in that situation. And, I mean, we, and, and I know we talked about this before, but, I mean, when you're talking about 200,000 people being on LSU's campus, a lot of that money is, you know, being circled in back into the economy also. So, I mean, well, I, I think Southern is going to benefit off of that game essentially more, but. I think that's one reason why they probably got 750 because LSU knew that there was gonna that state that game was gonna be packed and they yeah. was gonna they yeah, were gonna make it was. Was. and they were gonna make the money off of it. Right. Agreed. Now here's something we need to we need to keep an eye out on. Grambling plays at LSU next year. Let's see what the payout for Grambling is yeah. going to be. I mean, well, I don't I don't expect see. I don't expect as many people to be there for that game. I, I think I think so too. I think yeah, I, I think that that could play a part into it or whatever. But like I said the payout, I'm really interested to see or whatever. Because remember, you're technically bringing a school three and a half, four hours away now, and they've got to get lodging and things of that nature. So I am interested to see what that payout is going to look like next year. We'll probably find out about it somewhere early portion of the summer. Right. Um. Money. Money, money, money. We're talking about money. Um, Dion says that Jackson State won't play in the in the playoffs, the FCS playoffs. Uh, it's the I, I, outside of the FCS because of money aspects. Um, something I and I had to I had to be educated on. Um, uh, Doctor Caville, uh, I think Caville, yep, Caville. He uh, explained this in, in in a Twitter dialogue we were having uh, about FCS playoffs. 
Um, I was under the understanding that it was like FBS playoffs, but then I was reminded FBS playoffs is not under the NCAA. Nope. So it's completely different. You, when you make the F, uh, FBS playoff, you get paid. Yeah. School gets paid. I think the conference gets paid, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they do. They do. But in FCS, they bid. You bid, You actually bid to host the playoff. Correct. And I think it starts at like 50000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's why a school like Notre, uh, not I'm sorry, I was going to say Notre Dame, uh, North Dakota State, who has built up this athletic budget yeah. um, yeah. through their success and also through other means, um, schools like that, South Dakota. Villanova. Uh, Villanova. Those schools can do that and host versus your SWAT schools where you, at most you've got you know, these money games that we're playing in the regular season are your entire athletic budget for the year. So. Yeah, man, it's one of those, you know, what is it, Rob Peter, give the Paul type situations. I mean, quite frankly, I'm actually surprised that the NCAA has been able to get away with what they do for the postseason in their playoff structure structure for so long. As you mentioned, like all the schools like North Dakota State, South Dakota State, the Montana schools, um, you know, Villanova, Kennesaw State in recent years. I mean, you know, they figured out like how to go ahead and do it. But he also, you think about this too. So for instance, North Dakota State, the Montana schools, those are the state-based schools. Yeah. And yeah. for people who don't understand that, just think about this. So I'm here in Alabama. You know, in Alabama, no matter if you're in Huntsville, Montgomery, Birmingham, or Mobile, and you work for a TV station, you're covering Alabama, and you're covering Auburn or whatever. Because those are the two big state-run institutions. Well, in Montana and in North Dakota State, that's what Montana, Montana State, North Dakota, and North Dakota State are. So all the money that, I guess you could say, that be flourishing to the big programs or what's being done over there. So those schools have been able to work that up for years and years and years. So $50,000 bid for North Dakota State inside the Fargo Dome? Oh, that's nothing, you know? Nothing at all. But at the same time, you can't say that's the same for some of the HBCUs here or whatever. Now, I'm not saying it's for all because I know like North Carolina A&T has been able to host, you know, uh, um, during the 2010 decades a couple of times. I remember um, Tennessee State did as well. Bethune-Cookman did. But obviously, it's more rare than what it is on a consistent basis with that. Then on top of that, the <laughs> money you make from ticket sales, concession sales, or whatever, parking, I think like 75% of that goes back to the NCAA. <laughs> Wow. Like, that wow. is, you know, it is it is insanely crazy. Not that's, a, that's a felony in most states, bro. Facts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you, you're looking at somewhere between 65 and 75 percent of the money you make from ticket sales and um, food that's, that's sales. That's extortion, like, bro. Right. Yeah. It's funny when you said um, these schools have hosted, but it's rarely I was thinking to myself. <laughs> they got their income tax back and said, "Ah, right, we'll host this year." <laughs> they got, yeah, they, now they they got their stimulus money. They got their PPP loan. <laughs> because that here's is, the other thing too with the crazy. with the host stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know the FCS regular season. You know for mm-hmm. for majority of the FCS, not 
with schools not named Southern and Grambling or Alabama State, you know, ends the week before Thanksgiving. So all of a sudden, you got that Saturday going into Thanksgiving week for the last regular season game. By that Sunday morning, your bids need to be out and literally be making your wire transfers to the NCAA because at 10 or 11 o'clock that Sunday morning, they are announcing those pairings and who's got home games or whatever. So you got to think like that's a quick turnaround to be like, are we going to spend this amount of money for us to even be in the postseason? Then on top of that, it continues to roll over. So it's not like, oh, you know, you win here and then – you get a chance to host just because. Now nah, you got to turn around and throw some more money at that. Mm, mm, and if you look at like schools wow. like James Madison, who decided, hey, we we don't want to do this anymore or whatever, they decided to make their way up to the FBS level because they're like, why keep being successful the way we are, but keep losing money every single year? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Now here's the thing: you do make money, but you got to get to like the semifinals. I, I was just about, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Um, that's a lot, man, and I can see, you know, obviously we see why the swag has said, look, you know, we we just ain't going to go ahead and do this or whatever. It's a smart business venture all in all, and, you know, ever since the creation of Celebration Bowl, you know, individuals like myself, Dr. Cavill, Stephen Gaither from HBCU Game Day, Lute Williams, uh, Tali Carr, like we've been explaining, like, this is the reason why, you know, the SWAC and eventually the MEAC decided we don't want to mess with the FCS playoffs anymore as a primary venture when you can make money. And then shout out to Dr. Charles McClellan for making things happen with the SWAC championship game, because if you're a home team, you're going to, you know, you're going to keep majority of the revenue for hosting the SWAC championship. So let's say that's at least 500000 or whatever if you get a sellout. And then you get the guaranteed 500000 from the Celebration Bowl. Two games, you made a whole million dollars just yeah. off of that. So Alcorn and Jackson State, they've easily made a million dollars in the Celebration Bowl era because of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to put this comment back up here uh, from Downside yeah, Football. It says, people don't understand the structure difference between FBS versus FCS, even starting with scholarships. And, yes, and, sir. And that, 85 and to 63. Bingo. That's my – every time anybody says, why don't the SWAC just move up to FBS? You know, why doesn't this HBC – because you have to fund 44 additional scholarships immediately. And I know – 22 is just for football, but you got to think of Title IX. So you got to have 22 for the women to match that. So you got to have 44 additional scholarships immediately that you have to pay for. And now you don't have to fund all of them, obviously, but you're allowed up to 85. But if you don't fund all 85, then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball going into the to the. You pretty much got to have a war chest. You got to be ready. You got exactly. So how many how many swag schools? How many? Uh, me as schools can afford to do this and now I understand if you move up to FBS you'll get the TV money from the contracts but it's like a chicken and egg thing which one do you need first do you need the money do you need the money to be able to fund the scholarships to go up to FBS or do you fund the scholarship and then recoup the money on the back end you everybody isn't going to be able to do that so it's going to take a lot of alumni a lot of fundraising and a, and a lot of forward thinking to be able to move from the FB, FCS to the FBS and everybody isn't there yet nope honestly, sure honestly I don't think anyone is there yet if we want to be 100% honest yeah. no I'm, I'm I'm with you I mean yeah you know, I mean, and most of us were at Swag Media Day. We heard Dr. McClellan kind of explain, like, here's what it's going to have to take. That's why he said it's going to be about a 
eight to ten year process or whatever. And for the most part, if the SWAC will elevate itself to the FBS level, it ain't happening tomorrow. It ain't happening mm-hmm. next year. You know, they're, they're hoping it could be so many whatever years down the line. I mean, you know, I can even go back. Like when I was playing college football in the mid 2000s, App State was an FCS program, and it still took them a long time to get to yeah. FBS. Right. So, you know, this had a lot of success. Yeah, exactly, man. With Omani Edwards and those guys, they had a lot of success. It still right. took them a long time to get to the FBS level. And then on top of that, here's the thing people need to understand, too. Going back to that comment, I appreciate that person who uh, came through that. You cannot just jump from the FCS to the FBS on your own. Yep. You need an invite. You cannot do that. Now, back when FAM tried to do it in the early 2000s, the rules were different. You can act back then. You could kind of do it as an independent. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. I think it's because of them and other schools that why you need that invite now or whatever. So let's say Jackson State decides, oh, you know, we want to consider whatever stuff. Unless they're getting an invite from the Sun Belt, which I seriously doubt because they real, real fool. Uh, Conference USA, maybe. The MAC, they ain't going nowhere. Well, first, and, uh, the, the MAC – the oh, Mac go ain't my, my bad, but the Mac ain't doing it because they regional. They they're gonna maintain their regionality. They don't care about anything else but regionality. Correct, correct. You know, because they they got that Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. night in action. You know, yeah. <laughs> and the Sun Belt, the Sun, the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt, like you say, they they just got three more, four more teams. They just added teams, and if you look at the the Conference USA, they had teams leave Conference USA because the TV deal and the money was so bad. So if Correct. you're looking, if you're looking, and I understand anything is better than what some some teams have now, but that ain't the league I want to go to because they might not be around in five years. Good, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, man. And then here's the other thing with Conference USA. So you know, Conference USA lost a bunch of teams, and now they are adding Liberty, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, and Sam Houston. I was actually on the call for the um, Conference USA Media Day this past summer, and the commissioner she basically came out and said that after everything that's happened or whatever, and they just renegotiated their TV deal to go and play or whatever, they're not looking to add anybody anytime soon. So if they didn't get it, you know, this year, it probably ain't happened no time soon, just in general. So, yeah, there are a lot of factors that go on with it, along with the TV situation. A lot of conferences look at adding teams that help their television market as well. Let's go back to the SEC, early 2010s. You add Texas A&M, you get a whole Texas market. You mm-hmm. add Missouri, who obviously hasn't done a lot of great things, but guess what? You, you the get the whole state Arthur. of Missouri and you yeah. get St. Louis. Plus, you get Kansas City, technically, if you want to add those two TV markets or whatever in in that sense. So, you know, you think about the ad revenue and the dollars and the new eyeballs you have. I even say this, even for the SEC network that was coming aboard or whatever, that was more eyeballs going to different places that Mm -hmm. you probably weren't paying attention to the SEC all at the time. And I mean, if you look at if you look who the Big 12 added, they added Cincinnati. They added UCF, the Orlando market. They added Mm -hmm. Houston. You know, and then they added a big nationwide name in BYU who has, you know, fans all across the country. So that's what they're going for places like that. And I don't I don't know how you got schools when you got schools in Grambling, you know, what I mean, when you got schools in, in small Mississippi school in small Mississippi towns, Pine Bluff, you know, places like that, you're not going to have many viewers watching these games. So, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sell that to a TV, uh, you know, network. Yeah. Um, I guess technically this has been answered. Uh, playoff alternatives. 
Uh, I guess is the Celebration Bowl pretty much the playoff alternative. I want to. I want to do a whole HBCU playoff. Mm. HBC like swag me at yeah, swag like, I, and I'm not saying like the structured format like you know like the SCS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you do take like you already got the Black National Championship, the number one in the swag version, number one in the in the MIAC. Do number two versus number two, number three versus number three. You know what I'm saying? Let's just and that way that way and kind of make it like a bowl game for this for HBCUs in a sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I could see that working, but also I could see that as one of those blessings and the curse type situations as well. Um, Coach Nick Saban, very, very famous for saying this when the structure, and I know I'm talking about, I'm trying to compare or whatever, but this is the best way to compare it. So near the end of the BCS, Nick Saban said it best. He was like, yes, I like the fact that our guys will get a chance to play an extra bowl game with the semifinals and then the mm-hmm. finals going from just the BCS structure. But by adding those additional games, you start to kind of shy away from the importance of the other bowl games. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, I, I do have to wonder like, okay, let's say you got, you know, celebration bowl. And I don't know. Let's call it legacy bowl for like the runner up of the yeah. both schools or whatever and stuff. I'm not saying the importance wouldn't be there or whatever, but, there will have to be a lot of marketing or whatever to make people care, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. That's you a know, good point. There, there literally will be a lot of marketing like to literally make uh, people care in, in that sense. I mean, do I think it happens with the right teams? Absolutely. But, you know, the structure is all about making the money and the dollars. So, yeah. you know, granted, so what you had last year. So, you know, you had Prairie View who would have been the second place team, but I don't even know who was the second place team in the MEAC last year. Um Yes, I got. I guess I can look that up. Google is my friend. I mean, you uh, could you, you could even kind of do like the top two in both conferences and do like a playoff format or something. You know what I mean? Just, I, I must, just I must something say this. to get other teams involved, except the, the you know the top teams in these. You can't do too many because the MEAC losing football schools like uh, <laughs> 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 they, they, they losing them like uh, kids yeah, lose socks. Yeah, you had to add the SIAC in there too. You well, it, man. <laughs> okay, well, and see, and see, that's where we get in trouble with or yeah, whatever. In the, in the yeah. IA school. Yeah, well, with those schools, so obviously because everybody's still under the NCAA structure, you can't have cross-division postseason games. Yeah. So, you know, MEAC can't play the CIAA yeah. champ or the SWAC yeah. champ can't play the SIAC champ or vice versa. And I think one of the best examples to use of that, go back to the Steve McNair days or whatever. Apparently the Liberty Bowl wanted to get all core okay. state very, very badly. And NCAA told them, no, we we don't allow that or whatever. So, you know, so that didn't end up happening back in 1994. We should have boo, tomato, tomato. We should have had that back then. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I got you, man. But yeah, that, don't, that, that sounds suspicious. Yeah, it does. It, 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 it does. Yeah. But here's the thing: you've had nobody challenge it through the years yeah. either. Yeah. That's so that's, that, that's why it kind of just stays in place in, in that sense. So yeah. I think right now, for what's going on with the celebration bowl, I, I think it's kind of the best situation. You have to find ways to still elevate it as well yeah. and like make some things happen here and there. I think one thing they do have going going great right now is the fact that you know you do me actual challenge. You begin in Atlanta. You do Celebration Bowl, you in at Atlanta. So because yeah. you have that, you can kind of celebrate the whole year of HBCU athletics, especially with football. But when you start to get into other things, then, you know, you just got to figure it out all in all. But, you know, um, as far as, you know, a team like FAM, you making the FCS playoff last year, I think that was that was great, you know, for, for that. 
Now let's see what's going to happen moving forward. Can we get other HBCU teams or whatever? I hate to say it as a consolation prize in, in the situation, which we also know at the end of the day, there's only so many schools that even fit that bill too. So my, my I guess the question would be, if you are Jackson State, well, not Jackson State because they don't want to be in the playoff, but if you are a school like FAMU, could you ever see a school declining the celebration bowl for a chance at the FCS playoff? No, you can't because the SWAC is contractually obligated to, to go. They gotcha. can't decline okay. at okay. all. Okay. Um, now, back in the day when you had the Heritage Bowl, you had that situation happen where you were having some of the MEAC schools decline to go to the FCS playoff, and then teams like Southern and Grambling were playing the second-place team in the MEAC, uh, you know, back in the 90s and stuff. You did have that situation, but, yeah, but now you can't, you can't decline the water because, like I said, that's that's literally a breach of contract between the member institutions, the SWAC, the Celebration Bowl, and even the NCAA since the NCAA does allow the SWAC and MEAC to actually play this postseason game. Gotcha. It's like a waiver. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, well, we are almost at the end. I got, I think, two more uh, or three more technically. We talked about Tennessee State briefly. Um, Eddie George, they are, not, they are 0-4 right now. Um, ironically, they gave Jackson State their closest game so far this season. Scoreboard-wise. Scoreboard-wise. Is Eddie George on the hot seat at Tennessee State? I don't think he's on the hot seat just yet, but that seat could get warm very, very soon. Um, Obviously, they haven't done well as far as from wins and losses standpoint, but they still do have conference play coming up. Now, here's my thing with Tennessee State, though. If they don't do well in conference, let's say, I don't know, they win two or three games this upcoming year. Next year, it becomes a really bad scenario because Tennessee State, they've got to play Notre Dame out the gate. We know that's going to be an L. Um, Then um, they're playing Kennesaw State next year, too, in the non-conference matchup. And then on top of that, the OVC and the Big South have a merger next year to where both of their conferences are merging to basically crown a champion, which means that on top of the teams they're playing in the OVC, they also got to play teams like Bryant, Robert Morris, and um, Charleston Southern as well, which are usually formidable opponents on the FCS level. So next year, if – you know, if they don't do well this year and they get the, uh, a bad situation next year, uh, I don't know if he make, he makes the end of the year. I want to see him do well, but, man, it's it's a lot of stuff Tennessee State's going to have to do from a competitive standpoint the uh, follow – I mean, this year and then possibly next year too. Yeah, and in the words of my boy G from uh, Swagging the Fool, that man is driving standing up because his seat is hot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That that boy's seat is hot, man. Like, I I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying when we were talking about Hugh Jackson and Grambling. They don't look competitive. You know, and I know, Pooh, you said they gave Jackson State the closest game. That was on the scoreboard. Jackson State shot themselves in the foot a lot that game. They were moving the ball up and down the field, bro. And it it wasn't a competitive game outside of the scoreboard. So, honestly – I think they can they can correct some things, but I don't know how far they can go to where he's not going into next year like a lame duck coach to a certain extent because yeah. they 
they just don't look good, man. And he's been there long enough to where they should ha- he should have all the kinks worked out by this point. Right. Yeah. And here's the other crazy thing, too. Like, they played Eastern Washington, a top 25 team, very closely the entire game, had a chance to win it really late in the fourth quarter or whatever. Eastern Washington just made a few more plays. Um, so you look at a situation like that, like, oh, man, you know, they're taking them, take, you know, taking them down to the wire. But then, like, some of these other losses, they've been kind of – Like lame. Ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Lane was ew, yeah. I got BJ I, Jones kind of explained what happened with that one, and when I went back and watched it over the weekend, I was like, okay, he was ex- telling the exact I, truth. I couldn't believe it, bro. I, I mm. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, our one of our surprise scenes was Prairie View. Um, unfortunately, Prairie View fired their athletic director, Dr. Donald Reed, uh, this past week. Um, I hadn't seen details on it, but I don't know. I'm just leaving it at that. I don't know. Yeah, it came as a big surprise to me as well because, you know, he was, like, when he was hired to be the athletic director, like, he came with all the bells and whistles. Like, hey, this is going to be the guy that takes us to the next level, whatever the next level is going to be in that situation. But, yeah, it was definitely a surprise announcement, um, at least from people like myself in which we – we saw it, um, but obviously they didn't really put too much out there about it, just in general. Yeah. Especially since Prairie View was like competitive from the from the SWAC standings as a whole with the Commissioner's Cup. Man, like they mm-hmm. won several championships under his tenure. Yep. I remember when Prairie View hadn't won a game in hmm. years, decades. Yeah, <laughs> What was it? The eighty game losing streak, I think it was. Yeah, and then they came. Then they came back and won the swag, and it was just like, wow. Coach, um, yeah, yeah. Um, we do have uh, bad news uh, or, or, or sad news. Um, former WNBA star and uh, Wiley head coach Tiffany Jackson uh, passed away at the age of thirty-seven due to cancer. Um, we like to extend our condolences to her family, the team, uh, her community, and everyone affected by this. But uh, may she be remembered in, in our thoughts and prayers. So. That's sad, bro. It, it was going to yeah. be her first year, too, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought was sad, bro. Yeah, they were talking about it on ESPN um, uh, this morning, a little bit through the afternoon. Obviously, unfortunately, breast cancer got the best of her in this situation, which Kind of just goes to show you that, unfortunately, cancer is something everyone has to take seriously, no matter what the scenario is and not, no matter how old you are as well. I mean, she was 37, you know, both of us all in the 30s or whatever. And, you know, we, we all know somebody that's been impacted just in general. You have to go ahead and, you know, just make sure that if you know anybody that may be possibly ill or facing symptoms or whatever, tell them to go ahead and just get tested, you know, just in general, because you never know how many lives you will save from that. But from her standpoint, let's go ahead and definitely keep her family, her friends, and all her colleagues in uh, in prayer. And also, let's definitely keep her team in yeah, prayer yeah. as well, because basketball season literally starts in a month yeah. for them, and now they're going to a season without their coach. Yeah. And, and- and that's that's gonna be a lot of heavy hearts, bro. It's it's Agreed. gonna be hard. it's gonna be hard to try to keep basketball the main thing. Yeah, uh, it's sad that I mean, how things like this happen and it can really affect your team. Uh, I think it, if it was not mistaken, last year, 
Um, it was a young lady for a softball team. She she passed away from suicide, and they, the softball team just canceled the whole season. Yeah, so, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's like I said, it's just a sad situation. I hate to hear it. Um, but but um, there will be brighter days. Sun will still rise tomorrow. Um, this too shall pass. And I hate to sound cliche, but you know, yeah. But uh, Mo, I want to say thank you for coming back on with us. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find you. Let me let me bring it up. Let, tell everybody where they can find you. All right. On Twitter, you can find me at Mo Carter, Fox 54. On um, Facebook, you can find me at Mo Carter, WZDX News. Um, obviously, I post a lot of things um, HBCU-related, especially with Alabama A&M being right here in the backyard. I have some uh, previews of Alabama A&M and Grambling State coming up especially from both head coaches' standpoints, Coach Hugh Jackson and also Coach Connell Maynard. And I'll be at that game this weekend, so I'll have highlights and recaps and all that. And obviously, if for some reason you're not an HBCU fan and you're watching this or whatever, I do cover other conferences as well. You just got to just go ahead and just check it out from here, there, and everywhere. But as you see, at Mo Carter, Fox 54 on Twitter, and also at Mo Carter, WZDX News. As a matter of fact, I will be on the set in about 17 minutes. So if you go to fox54.com and hit watch live, you'll see me in action as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, I, I got one last question for you, Mo. So we, I guess we can leave, leave on a, a uplifting note. Outside of Dion, best trash talker in the sweat, coach-wise. Uh, I mean – I don't, and I hate to be a homer, but I hate to say it's it's Coach Maynard. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's It's Coach Maynard, dude. Like (laughs) it's. uh, Granted, I haven't been around a lot of the other coaches like talking about, but it's definitely like Coach Maynard for sure, man. And the fact that he, you know, he does it not only amongst the coaches, he does it to his players as well. And, but the cool thing is that he can actually back it up as well. Because host man is going to heck I don't need no superpower. I'm in three Hall of Fames. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's in the MEAC Hall of Fame. He's in the North Carolina a and Hall of Fame. And also the Arena Football League Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, the guy is a, is an athlete, dude. He really, really is, the, man. You know, the, he, most he, hilarious, the most hilarious thing from SWAT Media Day. Uh, our guys at uh, Down South Football – we're talking with uh, Eddie Robson Jr., you know, and Coach Maynard was just kind of, you know, you see in the video, he's like in the background, just kind of looking around. And then all of a sudden, he just ran up behind Coach Robinson and said, See you at Patrick City and walk off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that's just kind of how it is, man. Yeah. Um, just in general, yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and, you, you, yeah. and here's the other thing, too. You, um, before that, when Donald Hill Ely was the head coach at Alabama State, so him and Maynard go back years. So the trash talking between those two was just man, unheard of, man. It, it, it was pretty crazy. So, um, so, yeah, so obviously, you know, it's it's always just, you know, fun times or whatever. But here's the other thing, too. I'm actually kind of looking forward to kind of seeing, like, what that back and forth is going to look like and kind of be like because history serves me correctly – in the first Heritage Bowl, Alabama State played North Carolina A&T. Coach Manor was a starting quarterback for A&T, and Eddie Robinson was the reigning SWAC defensive player of the year mm-hmm. in, in that contest. So I can't wait to see how they're going to rev that up for, like, Magic City Classic Week in less than a month as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Who you got this weekend? I mean, obviously, you're going to pick Alabama a and How bad they beat in Grambling? 
<laughs> so after what if Alabama A&M can do what they did this past week, which is basically control the line of scrimmage, because that's literally what they did against Bethune Cookman. They basically came out and smacked Bethune in the mouth and was like, stop us from the running rushing attack or whatever. If they come out and do that, I mean, this could be a two, three score game because the defense was doing well. The sad thing was that they could have went up 21 nothing and Langford threw an interception that he should have just never even thrown that ball. That gave Bethune momentum going into halftime. They score a touchdown, get a three and out, and then turn around, score again. It's 14-14, and all of a sudden you got a ball game. But I think if they don't throw that interception, go up 21 and nothing, I almost think like you kind of put them away right then and there. So if they find a situation to do that, and especially go with a heavy rushing attack to where they don't have to make Lankford be a quill glass. I hate to say it like that, but that's really mm-hmm. what it's you yeah. know what it's really kind of been, then it could be a scenario. Um, now, I do wonder how Gramlin can combat things or whatever. Do any of you guys know if um, Washington is going to be back this week for Gramlin in the lineup? I haven't heard that he he is playing. Um, last I heard, he was still kind of questionable. Okay. I mean, I think if he is able to play, he makes a difference. Definitely. Or whatever. But if he doesn't, then obviously I think it's going to be a thing in between the trenches. And also – if Alabama A&M finds ways to basically put Grambling in third and not manageable, it could be a long day for you, Jackson, and company as well. Because yep. I looked at these uh, stats for uh, Grambling last week, and, yeah, their third down percentages were awful. Yep. <laughs> which is tr- which is crazy because if you look at the rest of the stats, it was pretty much even with the exception of time of possession. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think A&M can pull one off here or whatever, but history – it's not on AM side because they have not beat Grambling since 2013. I mean, Grambling hadn't lost in Jackson since 2000. Yeah. We saw how that went. So that's true I, too. I think I think it's gonna be a long weekend for the G-Men. I mean, the men. <laughs> Dashman. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, Ram fam. Uh, y'all know what y'all got to do. Uh, but uh, Mo, again, it was a pleasure. We'll be back tomorrow night as the Golden Boot preview the Tennessee game this weekend and some of the other, uh, you know, saying top games. But y'all know what it is. Until then, we out. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.